Don't zoom in. It doesn't look as good up close. No, it didn't. May 11th, 2022. This is Rare Encounter, encounter number 97. And dodging the butts, I'm Abel Kirby. And lewdly looking at lavicious ladies in lacing lingerie, I'm Cold Acid. Oh, the shit show has begun! Yeah. Welcome, welcome to the machine. You know, and by I've machine, had, I mean... I've had that line ready for like three weeks now. <laughs> God damn, I cannot believe how long that took. To actually get up and running today. This is not the way it was supposed to go. No, but it's, then again. I mean, we're professional podcasters, though, and the show must go on. <laughs> yes. And uh, big thanks right off the top to Cotton Gin for uh, hosting the stream so everyone can listen in well, or I guess he's replicating our audio for the stream so everyone can listen in live if you're uh, on Rare Encounters uh, channel on uh, IRC. Uh, Sounds like there's a couple of you listening. So, woohoo! Yay, We're doing thanks. it! Jeez. So, I've been on an adventure. So, I, I, told so you, I can tell, uh, yeah, you, you were having all sorts of issues uh, just being able to get audio, it seems. Yeah, that's because I'm not in my studio. I am, hold on, I'm opening a Budweiser because I'm in a hotel in Colorado right now. Yeah, I'm opening, uh, uh, doing remote. Making coca. Mexican Coke. Yeah, they didn't have any. Yeah, um, today. I'm out of <sighs> Mexican Coke. I've had that a couple times. It's uh, not bad. It's a lot. I've had Budweiser than, a couple it, times. Yeah. I take I take the Mexican Coca Cola over the Budweiser. Then again, I would take the Mexican Coca Cola over the American Canadian Coca Cola. This is made with the now, real sugar, man, not the high fructose corn syrup shit. I didn't know that Canadian. There was such a thing as Canadian Coke. Yeah, it's I the thought same there was thing Coke as and American Mexican Coke. Coke. It's just they use Canadian water. Mm. Well, so I'm in uh, enjoying the taste of the water out in uh, Colorado. Uh, tap water. It's funny how things get associated with uh, with memory. You know, smell's a big one, and I guess taste is adjacent to smell. And I drank some uh, some tap water here. Oh yeah, that's what it was like. Jeez. <laughs> oh, because uh, I used to live, uh, I'm in basically in Denver right now, and I used to live here for years and years and years. So up until basically right before we started Rare Encounter, uh, I was in Colorado. And so I haven't been back since, and I've been on the, the reunion tour. Um, so I'm actually out on business, so I don't get to have fun during the day. Well, uh, when that's over. That's why you're out there during the week, right? I mean, if you're out there during the yeah. week, it's not going to be for fun. Yeah, the... It's really cool coming back, though, and just seeing how things change. You know, it's little things, like I'm driving down the same roads I used to drive down. It's, oh, that shop's different, or that thing's, uh, there, there's one part, there was a road that was under construction years and years ago, and I drove by it yesterday, and it's, ah, shit, they're still at it. It's still going. It's never going to end, you know? Oh, that's like highway but, uh, construction I went back here. to, I, I went back to uh, the old town I used to live in, which is Broomfield, Colorado, and poked around, and I had, uh, you know, a couple of fun things happened. A couple you of disappointments. The One was apartment? the best. Uh, not really. I didn't break oh. into it. Oh. <laughs> unfortunately. Okay, no, at least you no. got my reference. Uh, okay, good. That's important. I did. I like. I like the bare naked ladies. You know. I I prefer but my ladies they, bare naked as well. 
but uh, <laughs> lazy lingerie, I'm okay with that too. So I had um, the best barbecue place in the town uh, closed. They had a sign on the door that says, KT's Barbecue is now gone. Go visit some other location. And it's great. That's one down. But the old bar I used to hang out with is still there. And uh, I saw, I walked in and I, I met a couple of the old uh, crew who were still hanging around, but there's not a lot of them left. It's no. a very uh, high turnover rate, I guess, in the area. It's people coming and going all the time. And the first time I walked in there, there was not a single person that I recognized. And just a couple years ago, um, I kind of walked in and I knew all the bartenders, knew all the staff. I knew everyone who, uh, who was a regular there. And then it was just weird walking in and it's the same building, the same chairs. They still haven't done anything with the floor. You know, it's still, it's still bad carpet. And, but the, every single person is different and it was just a little wild, but I'm the good part of the report, uh, for at least that section was the hospitality is still there. I walked in and it was like, People said, hey, you're new here. Hey, we want to buy you a drink. And so the first thing that happened was uh, was they pulled me over and they, and they wanted to chat. So that was fun. So points for that. Points for keeping the uh, the good community vibe up in uh, in Broomfield. Uh, even I got, though I got a, a question. You know, a lot of turnover, you know. I got a question because you said they have carpet in there. What sort of bar has oh, yeah. carpet? <laughs> this one does. Um yeah, uh, there's a couple that have had carpet in it, but this one uh, has this janky green carpet that's been there since the 90s. Uh, I think every decade they get someone to go stretch out the wrinkles and then pin it down again on the side, but if they don't, they're never going to replace it. You know, it's the, the classic, the owners will never put any money into this thing. Man, you know yeah, what? Uh, I've never been to a bar that has a carpeted floor. They're, all, they're always like... Uh stone or hardwood or dirt or just like something solid possibly covered in sawdust you go to the like flint fred flintstones bar there's dirt on the ground <laughs> no this is uh this is the well the place used to be a pizza restaurant once upon a time okay pizza and, restaurant uh, is another place where there? you don't want to have a carpet on the floor <laughs> It it has carpet. It has a uh, fireplace, uh, two of them actually, and but those have been inactive for years. And they hide Nerf guns in the fireplace. So there's two guys at the bar. It's almost like a scene from The Office where they're they're trying to get each other, and so they have basically Nerf guns hidden around all over the place. And so they're ducking into corners. He comes out with a Nerf gun and starts blasting the other guy. Okay, that's so cool. God, it's the same same stupid shenanigans from. Uh, that that were going on just years and years ago. So I'm glad that you know the attitude's still there, and it's uh, it's still a little hurts a little. You know, you can't find a place like that. I can't find one in Ohio. Couldn't find one in Maryland. I haven't found any place like this anywhere else. So maybe it's just one of a kind. But it that's does sound my, like uh, a fun place, apart from the carpet that has to be filled with decades <laughs> worth of booze and puke. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't think they vacuumed it since back when you could smoke inside. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so let me finish this out i've got a, a couple things to run through on this uh i don't want to drag it on too long but uh this hotel i'm at and the the equipment and the podcast and all that there's uh there's some stories going on i checked into this local hotel which is uh way down in the south of denver and of course they don't tell you when you book it it's under construction the elevator's out out of service and 
the main thing that they didn't tell me when I got here is that they had a whole baseball team, like a little league team stay. Oh no. And so I walked in and it was 40 kids, like middle school age kids. Now, but mind you, it's like 1030 at night, Colorado time. Um, by the time I actually was getting in there, uh, trying to check in and, you know, get up to my room. And it was, the kids actually weren't that bad because the kids would just like run around in circles. They were playing in the pool all night. And so there's like the, the, the whole hotel floors, uh, uh, covered in water. It's a slipping hazard. But it was the parents, though. It's always the uh, the baseball moms and dads. They're yelling and swearing at each other. Getting they're drinking and getting into fights. And it's like that, you know, classic thing that happens at the little league baseball game where the the two different dads are getting in a fist fight over the batting order or something. It's, <laughs> uh, fucking come on! God and damn! So finally, it, I get it, up to 80s sitcom material. So there were some highlights, though. You know, they upgraded my room. The guy at the counter, he felt bad for me. I felt worse for him, actually. But there was like one guy on staff trying to deal with all this shit. He upgraded my room to what I think is the best room in the hotel. It's like the nice. king's something or other. And I think it was out of pity. And so I have like this nice balcony. I, I checked in. I got up to the room. I opened the curtain, stepped out on the balcony and... From the there's another balcony over and there's kids throwing baseballs out into the parking lot. Oh, <laughs> it's <no>. terrible. <laughs> yeah, and it, now it's like eleven at night at this point. Um so anyway, the baseball team and actually I had it written down. It was it's not a little league team, it was a USSSA league that was playing uh they had a game that day and they had a game the next day, but they all cleared out. So anyway, that's the baseball part of the story. Here's the part three, the the final part of the story is my IT experience here, where I have, I know I'm doing a remote show, so I have a laptop, I have a way better setup uh, than I had the last time I did remote shows, which was when I, I think it was with boobs, and um, I was in a couple places, I think I did one in, no, I can't remember now what state we, we actually did the show from, it might have been uh, Minnesota, but the uh, the bottom line is, all this gear was set up, and I had a new laptop with Windows 10 on it, and Monday, I was setting up some of the things, kind of loose egg ends in the config by, you know, making sure I have the right drivers and everything's working, doing sound tests, make sure I want to be ready to go for the show. And Windows Update pops up. So, yeah, you got to take an update. Oh, and uh, at the same time, I had just installed some audio drivers for the, the interface I have. And it goes, okay, Windows Update and uh, restart. And it restarted, and it, then it came up to the... It's a Hewlett Packard laptop, and it came up to the HP logo, and it just sat there for an hour. It didn't do anything. It didn't finalize the update. It just sat there. It wouldn't boot. So I left it overnight. I checked the next day. It didn't fucking boot. So obviously, yeah, RIP. This was bad. Well, here's what happened. That guy who upgraded my room, um, he was running also the only guy that that night, the next day. And uh, I got back from the business place. I'm doing my job there. I got back to the hotel, and I'm I sat down at the bar. I said, man, I got to get a drink. I had such a shit experience the other day. We start talking. I said, yeah, my laptop don't boot. And he turns around and goes, well, you know, Windows 10. I think I got that on my thumb drive. Uh, you want install media? <laughs> and so I said, fuck yes. This guy, this guy who uh, was working the whole hotel trying to, you know, deal with all this bullshit, which none of it was his fault. Um, also turned around and he said, you know, um, we, you can do this, but you got to go into BIOS first. You got to turn off secure boot and we'll figure out how to do this. He, 
he started doing pro IT on my computer. God damn. Nice. And we got it. Yeah. And so we got it uh, fixed up. And that's what I'm running on now. I hope and you gave him a huge I'm still, tip. Oh, I did. Believe me. I, uh, I tipped him two, three, four, five hundred percent, something like that. Nice. So, yeah, you better believe it. Um, but it's so we we got a, a method to boot the computer up. It only works when I had the install media. There's still something wrong with it. And so the bottom line is I cannot turn the computer off. And so for the last couple of days, I've been uh, walking around with this laptop, making sure I keep plugging it in and charging it. And I, you know, I opened it up and made it so it never goes to sleep. The screen never turns off. It never hibernates or anything because I'm afraid of what will happen. So I've just had it on for days waiting for the damn show. Oh my god. And uh <laughs> which leads this is the the final explanation for all the bullshit that the reason that I can't have a playout system right now is basically because the playout software I have I have to restart the computer <laughs> to get the driver to initialize and uh and I don't want to do it. So So obviously this episode full... is not going up tonight. Um it, unless you get me the file. If you get get me the file, I'll, I'll get it up tonight. But that's the big thing is file transfer is going to be a long time, but yeah, There's the that, horror that's story not, that's uh, not your as fault. promised. That's the fault of my internet connection since I'm yeah. doing all the, the hotel, recording today. The hotel Wi-Fi is pretty good actually uh, in terms of speed. It's symmetric um and it is just a, a hair slower than what I get at my apartment in Ohio. And you know Denver has great internet by the way. Uh so no surprise there, but and knock on wood. Yeah. I'll knock on this is paper so it's technically wood. I just knocked uh, on my head. My whole story. It's pretty wooden. <laughs> so there we go. Uh, I got a, I got a Budweiser from the, uh, the desk downstairs, and I'm ready to podcast. There. Man, it sounds like you, rather than a Budweiser, what you need is a scotch. The, so little setback. That guy, the the awesome guy who's like saved my life several times this week. He's not working today, and as soon as he left the hotel. Now the front desk is like, oh, you know, we locked the doors at like 8.30 now. It, it, they were never locked before when he was there, you know. And so, oh, you gotta, you gotta use your card to get in. And by the way, we're opening the bar late, or it's closed today because, you know, uh, earlier today someone moved a table around and so it's closed for maintenance. It's just like the, the most bullshit, bullshit excuses. Okay, so, so apparently that, this guy is pretty much holding the whole fucking place on his shoulders then she is and uh it it's you know it's it's so striking when he was here th like shit was going down that wasn't his fault and he was fixing it left and right and then as soon as he left it's everyone else is like yeah you know uh maybe we'll get around to serving you sometime you know Jeez, when some Louise, when on, some guys. other hotel poaches him that place you're at now is going to shut down in a week i bet I think it's I think it's going to sink into the ground here. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. So, needless to say, uh I've had Billy Joel in my head. There is a there's a song that he did um where the, one of the lines in it was in hell there's a big hotel where the bar just closed and the windows don't open. And uh I I'm feeling that. <laughs> You're you know, living it. Uh, so, anyway, enough about me. I've rambled too long. I've been killing too much time on this shit. Yeah. Um, what's what's up with you? You want to do a quick update, and then maybe we can do. I think we have producers. Yeah, I, I want to get out the producers first, actually, because they're they're just sitting in my face right now. Oh yeah, yeah. 
So our executive producer is none other than Booberry, who over two over two boosts sent us in forty seven thousand three hundred seventy three sats. What? Yeah. Well, shit. That's almost fifty thousand. And they were both uh, they were both uh, just uh, just a little shy of the show about uh, about six thirty six thirty five my time. He sent some messages with them. The first one was forty uh, was forty thousand four hundred four sats, and he said, "They're putting boost in the water. That's turning the freaking podcasters gay." <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez, boobs. Thank you. And then the other one is, Boobery. I guess, more directed towards me. And there was some convo this morning on the Fetties about uh, podcast generator because. Despite me mentioning it all the time, we never seem to actually talk about what it does. And that was pissing off Sir Bemrose. So Booberry sent in the question, another podcast generator question. Would it be feasible to create a template for the website that looks and behaves like a VCR menu? I was poking around the demo. It looks like a good time. And the answer to that, Booberry, is yes. Just don't expect me to put it together for you because... Maintaining the software itself is already time-consuming when I have the time to spend on it. Uh, it. Custom themes are essentially in the hands of whoever wants to make their own theme for it. I mean, we ourselves, we're just using the default theme with some minor changes. I think Boobery could probably get the HTML for... You know, if you wanted to make it look like a VCR menu, that's pretty straightforward. So you do... You know, twelve midnight, uh, which is you know twelve colon zero zero, and you put it in a blink tag, and you're good to go. Except you, the blink tags don't work anymore. Now you have to do it with like SVG or or JavaScript or something. That sounds like a user issue. The server serves the right tag, you know. If your browser didn't render it, maybe that's your fault. Well, yeah, get a better browser, one that does support the blink tag, and while you're at it, yes. one that supports marquee. Remember marquee tags? <laughs> that was the shit too, you know. Oh god. I remember in front page you could use uh you could have text with a border around it and you could have I think it called red ants or black ants was the name of the effect and it would have like little ants marching around it and uh I think it worked on HTML. Man, front page was so was so fun to screw around with back in the day. Yeah. yeah. They had a, it had a bunch of, I mean, they, they were not very good themes, but they were so 1990s web that, mm -hmm. you know, so, so much so that I am half tempted to dig out an old copy of front page, uh, set up, uh, <laughs> set up like a windows 2000 virtual machine to install it on and use it to design a new website for myself. Yeah. With some dot HTM. Uh, yeah, files. gotta have that .htm. So we got a couple other one of the donations devs. that came in as well that, that we should cover. We got, uh, a little after last week's show, we got a boost from Servo, who sent in 3333 sats, and said that Three Things recital was amazing. And yes, I think for our 100th episode <laughs> super special, was. We're gonna ha I'm gonna have to do that. And like, you know, maybe pre-recorded or something, but have that for going through on episode 100, which is what? Only, 
Only three weeks away now. Hmm. Yeah. And then finally, finally, we got uh, 321 sats from C-dubs. And he says, boostbot, https colon slash slash social dot v4v dot dev slash at sign boostbot. Boostbot. Do we have a boostbot now? He has a boost I don't bot. Think we have a boost he bot. runs a, I guess he runs the boost bot. Is uh, this his way of telling us that we need to set up a boost bot? That or we need to figure out how to get boost bot. Oh, uh, this is how you add boost bot as a value recipient. Hmm. All we need to all it needs is just one sat uh that comes through, but uh fees might uh fees might cause problems with that and saying fee equals true may cause some of the things it's looking for uh to not come through so we might have to we might have to fiddle with that but it sounds like a fun idea where if people send in boosts then they'll show up on boostbot for people to see so it's kind of, i know in a way it's like helipad but in the fetty instead of just on your own node but yeah, if we add it to the split, then yeah, people will see what gets boosted to us. Nice. Well, I'm up for that. I, I think cobbling more stuff onto our little Kowloon here is a good idea. I'm up for uh, anything. Yeah. Uh, well, maybe not that, but... <laughs> yeah, not <laughs> anything, but... Uh, not anything. Enough. So let's see, I do, have some, I do have some interesting stuff to bring up. Uh, for recent news, I mean, it's it's a week old at this point, but uh, the world's greatest uh, visual uh, spreadsheet is now going to play even better with Microsoft Excel. Lotus Notes? Eve Online. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so appar- apparently, Online, apparently yeah. last week there was like some huge... Uh, festival for EVE Online players, and Mm -hmm. there was an announcement that there is a new JavaScript API coming for EVE Online with the purpose of integrating with Microsoft Excel. (laughs) And apparently the fans literally (laughs) cheered at this news, which just goes to show that (laughs) if you don't like spreadsheets, you should not play EVE. Yep. That is definitely the, uh, the number crunchers game. Oh yeah, there's so Honestly, many fucking wild even, stories yeah, for it's Eve. It's not you know? even the only one. There's there's plenty of other games as well, uh, including casual games where people put together like huge fucking spreadsheets, uh, detailing things. Apparently, apparently spreadsheets are popular among casual gacha games, uh, simply for calculating like actual odds versus. What the publishers say the odds are, things like that. Figure out your chance of getting an SR. Yes. Well, you got to make those polls, man. You got to get a poll. There's actually a comment been- on the on the Ars Technica article about this, where somebody said, "I remember one of the reason I quit playing Eve was because of how freaking annoying it was to get data out of it and into Excel." <laughs> you know, so. One more time, did you say it was a Java, or was it JavaScript thing? JavaScript. So okay, so it's not ActiveX. No, that would ActiveX have been the uh, that would have been the best. 
<laughs> hey, wait a minute. ActiveX is still active. Um, I was just in a facility today that uses it. So, oh my let me God. tell you. Did you just? Yep, it's like it is you current. Walked, State it's of the like art. You walked into twenty years ago. I've explained to you that we use three and a half floppies seriously, right? You know that even in Japan, they're not doing that anymore. And this is a country well, that you keeps know, J- fax machines alive. Japan is behind the times on this one. You got to get your three and a half floppy. You got ActiveX controls. Got to keep all the old stuff going. Oh man, yeah, that was that was neat. So we had um, just staying on the Microsoft uh, tip. Um, I got to meet uh, Randy. I think his name is pronounced For- Forged. He was one of the developers for Front Page, the original guys before they went to Microsoft. Oh, cool! And uh, he's he's one from New Hampshire. Yeah, he, he, the other guy was Charles um, Ferguson, who I've never met. He was the author. He's a little more famous. But um, Randy was nice enough to go around and talk to all the students. And me and my roommate at the time were, and this is like, it must have been 2009. We're like, whoa, front page, that old piece of software. We want to meet the guy. You know, this is over a decade ago. Front page was like a joke. So. Um, and he was talking about the history of the company and uh, had some books to hand out. They were actually the other guy's books, but, you know, he said, well, you know, I, I keep a stash of them because people want to see them anyway. And actually, you know what? It was an IEEE uh, session. They they brought him in uh, as a speaker once. Back when I was in, uh, like, an active member in IEEE and actually did stuff, you know, not just read articles, but, you know, they have a community and they have dinners so, so and all that I've shit. Heard, I did that once upon I've a never, time. I've never actually seen any of that going on in the Toronto oh, section. Oh, God. It's, so it's cool if you're a student and you want to network, because what you can do is go to one of the dinners, and then you meet, like, probably 10 to, to 15 different engineers, because it, it'll be at a big banquet hall or something like that, who are at different companies in the area and they want to meet you and see if they like you and you can end up getting a job that way. It's a good networking thing, but it's a good networking thing. If you have no alternatives, there's way better ways to network than through IEEE in my opinion, because it's a little flimsy. Um, at least in my industry, the, the networking is not done through little social clubs. It's done uh, on a more personal level, but yeah. Anyway, there's there's also the, uh, there's also the uh, there's also the IEEE social network. Oh, I've never it, I I have not I've not found that to be very useful at all. To be honest, there's the worst, and this is a warning to anyone who might think they want to get involved in this. The absolute worst thing to be a part of is one of these standards committees. I've been to some of those meetings, and they are just eye rollers. They're the meeting will have, you know, formal, like, Robert's rules, or not, not quite that bad, but it'll be kind of a formal meeting, and there's people call again, and the guy from India, no one can understand sometimes. It's, it's always like that, and then the whole agenda of the meeting is like, so who's going to handle this paragraph of the paper? Who's going to handle that paragraph? And last month, we said this person would do that. Is it done yet? No. You know. Yeah, there's a, re- there's a reason why terrible. there's a reason why RFCs tend to be what everybody goes to when standardizing their shit related to the internet than the IEEE these days. At this point, yep. at this point, when it comes to when it comes to computer stuff, it's IEEE if the standard already exists 
and we need to bring it up to date. Otherwise, it's an it's an RFC or we go to ECMA with something uh, pretty much ready for them to just rubber stamp, right? I'm ready. I'm a fan of the... There, there's two people who've used this. It's Podcasting 2.0 and MIDI. The MIDI uh, standards group but did yeah, the exact same thing yeah. as Podcasting 2.0. They just yeah, it was go, they essentially said, a bunch, hey, we're a bunch do of guys <laughs> who got together and said, hey, let's throw this together and make things work. I've read and about it. So it is excellent the way they did that to the to the point where it would not have been able that like the MIDI standard couldn't have existed. Um, it, it would have never came out of a standards meeting. And the same thing with podcasting 2.0, the level that that's at now. It would have never happened if they had a formal process. They just had to get a couple people involved, stakeholders. And and I don't just mean Adam uh, and Dave. I mean, there's a couple people who really drive it in, you know, the podcast index.social scene who just, they blew it up, you know. Uh, they went from having a couple tags that were interesting to now there's, you know, whole subsystems that were designed by a couple people and like Podping, you know. And then, you know, uh, all the devs, even you, right? People like you make the thing happen, not standards organizations rubber stamping things. Yeah, and and like anybody who anybody who feels strongly about one thing or another just like puts in their comments and just and we just hammer we hammer out what works for for most or all of us. <laughs> so anyway, there's my comments on standards. Don't don't be involved in standards groups. They are terrible. It's a waste of your your time. You'd or rather go at out. At least and, uh, don't take, a, be take a walk. Yeah. At least don't be involved in ones <laughs> that stay like with the whole formal process and don't have like any people doing like backroom discussions that actually have the real shit going on. Apparently, I was, apparently, I was I've in... heard that I've heard that the uh, the C plus plus standard is essentially done that way. There's the formal process. But most of the actual work is like backroom sort of stuff between people who are interested in particular bits of the standard, and they just hammer they just hammer out like their like their special little points. Oh God! I'm just you just made me aware that C plus plus is still being updated, dude. I just wish C it would is still being updated. Ah, uh, why? Because Status we don't published. really have Jeez. anything actually better for for the sort of development that they're used for i mean sure there's nah, rust and there's golang but each of them is seen as their own more or less proprietary thing they do a lot of move fast and break things sort of behavior so that like what worked today might not necessarily work two weeks from now meanwhile c and c plus plus have been around for decades they're mature and they still bring in new stuff but in ways that doesn't fuck everything up for everybody who's already been working with it for for like half their life i think they should have stopped developing it right when i learned it and uh, never did anything since and that way i wouldn't have to learn about it again <laughs> well that's oh, well. how it goes hey we got um I got a little grab bag of potato nose. If you want to run down the oh, submissions you got, from you got, from people. Hold on, you got what now? What we need is a few good taters. Oh, tato, oh, tato, oh, tato. Oh, tato. Oh, tato. Oh, tato.
It's potato news on rare encounter. Potatoes. So this first one was sent in by Carblanes uh, actually last week, but we didn't do potato news on the last show. And this is the Yam Delorean. Nice. Have you heard of this yes, one? I saw this. It's, this is the uh, Mr. Potato Head mashup with Star Wars, and uh, I'm kick, kicking myself that we didn't do it on uh, May the Fourth. But uh, and she sent it in time. We just didn't. I I put it in my notes, and I said, "Oh, potato news." So uh, we just didn't get to it. Yeah, but, that would have uh, been I wanted to get a mention there. Show, damn it. Yep, yep. And I wasn't thinking at the time, you know. The Star Wars Mr. Potato Head mashup is, uh, I think it's really just uh, some pictures. It's, uh, there's not much more to do than look at it. So I think we'll have a picture in the show notes, maybe. Uh, I'll, I'll post the link for the guys in the chat. I, I, like, the, I like the Potato Head Baby Yoda. <laughs> oh, yeah. The tot. There's a... Uh, the tot. Apparently, it's it's real. You can you can buy the yeah. Mandalorian in the tot for sixteen ninety nine on Amazon, according to the article. Yeah. So we got so we got our little plug in for uh, photoshopping. Oh, there you go. Yeah, he's got a helmet. <laughs> oh boy. So there is that. Uh, next in the list, we had. You scroll down here. We had potato party. This was a submission by Christopher Battles, and it's just a tweet. Um, by a. Uh, G. Kush Baby on uh, Twitter who says, a party, but everyone brings potatoes prepared a different way. That's a lot of and potato. So, and that's, that is the uh, entire substance of the, uh, of the message. And so Christopher Battles, uh, stay dangerous. Now the real, those Twitter the tweets. real interesting keep one is what Sir Spencer sent in. The list of potato yeah, cultivars. Spencer, and the first thing, when I opened up that page, the first thing that jumped out at me was this Adirondack Red, because it looks like a huge fucking ham. It looks like a ham! That's the same thing I thought. Ham Some people potatoes. like ham and potatoes. <laughs> Some people like ham and potatoes for breakfast, but uh, here we get ham potatoes. Mm-hmm. There's a couple interesting looking ones. Some of them look pretty much like regular old potatoes. Um, some of them just look like flowers because I guess they photograph the leaves and, uh, you know, the top part of the plant, not the, the, what we would think of as the potato part of the plant. Yeah. Um, some of them have interesting names, like the British Queen is one. Um, the Royal Blue, you know, makes, it, unfortunately, they don't all, all have pictures, but, you know, it makes you wonder what it would be like. Hansa but the Russian nice Blue. Flower. Look I at the, see, my, my favorite one people, here. I could see people growing the Hansa cultivar in uh, in a flower garden just for those flowers. Look, scroll down to the Russian blue potato. The Russian blue. Look at Russian that one. Blue. It's called Russian. It, it's near the bottom, I think. Yeah, that's purple. Look at that. It looks like a heart. It's a it's purple, purple heart shaped yeah, potato. Purple heart potato. Yeah. So, oh god, this image is very high resolution. Don't <laughs> zoom in; it lo- doesn't look as good up close. <laughs> no, it didn't. It didn't. And no. of course, at the bottom of the list, because nobody loves us, Canada's Yukon Gold. Oh, Yukon Gold's good though. I've oh yeah, Yukon they are gold. very good potatoes. I'm, I'm a, just making uh, a joke variety. about like how how Canada's always pushed to the bottom of things. It's funny when it seems to be at the top sometimes. 
Um, yeah, it's so this is a very handy list. Thank you, Sir Spencer, for the potato submission. Of course, if you want to send potato uh, news to us, you can send it uh, over No Agenda Social, where uh, I am and Cold Acid is. I'm a- at Abel Kirby at noagendasocial.com uh, and uh, Cold Acid, you're at Cold Acid at noagendasocial.com, I believe. I am. You can also hold on, head hold over on. to RareEncounter.net and check out other stuff. Let me try that oh. again because because what we were just talking about, I am. <laughs> No, you don't say. I tried. Um, rare, RareEncounter.net is our homepage. We have the show. Uh, old episodes are there. The uh, link to the RSS feed, link to the stream. You can listen to that. It's only The link to the stream only works when we're live. And sometimes a little bit before that if we're streaming. Uh, today's a little bit of an exception. There's a lot of funny things going on. So, uh, But on normal Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern, uh, you can listen to the Rare Encounter show live through there. and. Uh, yeah, uh, there's also a link to our IRC. You can join the chat and troll along. And uh, let me open that window and see what the trolls are saying. So we've got Servo is hanging out with us. Cotton Gin. Cotton Gin is here. Uh, also, Cotton Gin is restreaming the stream for uh, for everyone to listen. Serpent. Christopher Battle Actually, is right now, not here, right but he's now, getting karma. Uberry is, uh, is streaming for us. We're on the Behind the Schemes stream. Nice. Yeah. So we're on every... Wait a minute. We're on everything except no agenda stream. Yeah, hmm. we're not on no agenda stream today. I didn't. I have those credentials, but I didn't give them out because I think Bamrose would get bad at me. Yeah, probably. Uh, I think you're privileged. If I'm you need not, to get on I there sometimes, ha- like, I do not have access to the back end of the no agenda stream at all. I I believe those are for rare encounter use. So uh, I I believe you have the uh, you you fill the requirements uh, to have access to them by my book. Uh, yeah, especially for a day have, like this. I just don't have <laughs> the credentials, the nor the nor the bandwidth to be able to stream to two streams at once. Yeah. Well, if it ever comes in, uh, if if there's ever a need, I can forward those. Yep. Mm, what day, else? What else do we have going I might on? Have a good internet connection, and then maybe I could what? do all the streaming. But that is One not today. Day, maybe. So I got something to oh, bring up. Have you? Do you know what a flow map is, right? Oh yeah, that's the drug you take when you can't pee. No, <laughs> no. Seriously, you know what no, a flow uh, map is, right? Um, you're talking about a process diagram. It, no, it's a it's a kind of it's a kind of diagram or chart, really. But what it does yeah. what it does is it it uses it uses the dimensions to show you like. The size of something over a distance or a period of time or both, mm, and so this you is can not look. You can look at something, something familiar to me. I like you. I've seen them in different magazines and stuff as well, where it'll show you like here's the whole big section that's like a hundred percent of something, and then parts of it get sliced off, and that's like ten percent here, twenty percent there. They oh. might further get sliced off to like break things down into different sections. Or... Okay, I know what you're talking about. This is um, a, cu- a cumulative. Um, the way you make these is it's a normalized cumulative chart where so every column is normalized to 100, percent but it's it's a um, cumulative sum. And I just want to point out, I it's don't more- talk about MATLAB a lot on here, but it, to to make one of to do the data processing, you use. My favorite command in MATLAB, which is cum sum. 
<laughs> just and you get the cumulative sum, but you know you can be a man. No, no, you can say, hey, but the thing to, is, this is the, this is the opposite direction. This is the opposite direction. You're starting off with the cumulative amount, and it's not necessarily like normalized. But as you go on, you see the things are coming off, and they might join other lines going back the other way. For example, uh. in this flow map of Napoleon's invasion of Russia which is probably the best known flow map uh, simply because you don't see too many uses of flow maps generally. But uh, apparently this, uh, this guy who was, uh, who was a French soldier or officer, he was a, apparently, okay, he was an engineer creating harbors and canals for the French state. Uh, as an old man... He created this flow map which showed the size of the Grand Army from its entry into Russia to what remained leaving. And so you see uh -huh. you see the incoming line, you see groups that split off here and there on the march to Moscow, and you see this you see this group like slowly, slowly narrowing until yeah. it gets to Moscow, and then it doubles well, just, back it, and narrows even more, even quicker. So this would be up to the Battle of Borodino, where they, they and then they took Moscow right after that, and then the attrition began. The attrition winter, began even before, even before then. Well, I the, mean the the uh, the hard attrition, the heavy attrition, like the. No, like there was heavy attrition between Wilno and uh, Vitebsk. Hmm. Did you post the map in the link here? Yeah, uh, I should. In the chat? I'd like to take a look at this thing. We go cold acid posts. Low map of Napoleon. But yeah, from, from a force of nearly 425,000 soldiers, it was down to about 100,000 at Moscow. And in the end, when, retur when returning into Poland, there was 4,000. Yeah, there was... They, they had them on the run um, for most of that. Like, they were just doing, basically doing a forced march on the way out. Uh, well, because, uh, because the, the Russians, Russians were, were chasing them out. They didn't even have to chase them out. The Russians did scorched earth... All the way, all the way past Moscow. They, and so, um, and back then, like, not like today where we can just like airdrop shipments of food and material. Back then, back then, you essentially had to scavenge and scrounge for anything you couldn't carry on your back or, or on the cart horses, right? So going, going through an area that's been like, Everything everything's been burned and destroyed, so there's no there's no food you can forage for yourself. There's no animals left that that could serve for meat or anything, right? People like a lot of the a lot of the Grand Army didn't necessarily die in combat. They starved or they became sick and died because mm -hmm. they couldn't because they couldn't be kept cared for. That's that's the true risk of 
of a land war in Asia. You know, it's it's not the battles. One of the one of the classic blunders I hear. Indeed. <laughs> uh, this is a cool uh, cool map. I like these old graphics. Yeah, that was made Written in eighteen sixty nine. Yeah, eighteen sixty nine. Interesting. That was about when War and Peace was coming out, right? I'm not sure. That was Tol- Tolstoy was in the uh, 60s, uh, 1869. Wow. Yep. Good timing. Yeah. Because that also That's took good. place around uh, around the War of 1812, or the Napoleonic Wars, right? Uh, possibly. Hold on a second, I have to do something. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Am I still a robot? There we go. You weren't a robot. Okay, yeah, the- uh, just time, time code for that, so around one hour... Uh, zero minutes, some number of seconds. Okay. So when I so when I send you the file, you can clip that out. Let's see. We've got um. I don't have a lot of other news to talk about here. There's. I've been. I've had my head down. You know, for the for since last Thursday. Well, I still so. have some topics then. All right, hit me. Yeah, because I I actually decide I'm going to limit myself to three or four topics an episode now instead of having like. A dozen of them plus plus the half dozen you bring in. <laughs> so this other thing that I've got here, uh, I actually I actually went through one of my uh, uh, communications of the ACM issues that I had laying around, and it turns out that last year was the fiftieth anniversary of the P versus NP problem. Uh, being not, I guess, not really discovered, but becoming well known, and you know what this is, right? I have no idea what you're talking about. You I know, know a know lot of things that MP? are abbreviated. I have, I know a lot of things that have P's and PNs and things, but I don't. I have no idea what you're talking about. Okay, so this is this is a computer science problem, an unsolved one. Uh, informally, it's the difference is a. A P, a P problem is one that can be solved in polynomial time, they say, on okay. a deterministic Turing machine. Now, sh- I guess I should define that a bit. Uh, deterministic Turing machine is what we expect of a Turing machine. That its operations are deterministic, obviously, right? Uh, polynomial time means the number of operations that need to be performed to find the solution to the problem is can be expressed as a polynomial function, uh, taking in for inputs things such as the number of uh, problem states, right? Mm-hmm. So an NP problem, on the other hand, is one where where the solution could be polynomial on a non-deterministic uh, Turing machine, or in other words, like one that can one that can make like wild guesses and do that at the same time as doing things the regular way. But they can be they can like a solution, a stated solution can be proven in polynomial time. So an example that uh, an example that I had. Uh, where did I put my example? I lost my example. Okay, the cl- example. The, where yeah. are you? 
The clique problem is, is a good example. This is given a group of people finding who are the members of the largest clique, or in other words, a subgroup where all the members of this subgroup are mutually friends with each other. Right? This is something you might want to, like somebody who's working at Twitter or Facebook might need to, might want to determine, right? Uh, because, because they're doing hmm. research on social groups. Now, this is what's called an NP-complete problem, which is a type of NP problem that's, that, if solved, would solve all, the other, solve all the other possible ways of stating the same or similar sort of problem, right? You can, you can easily verify the solution, but if I said, this group of people here are all mutuals and you won't find a bigger group, you can go through the full. You can go through the full group, and and that particular set, and you can determine in polynomial time that I'm correct or not. But determining, but determining that subgroup in the first place is something that could be that could take exponential time or worse, right? Mm. So you can easily and quickly verify the solution if it's NP, but you can't. You can't easily solve it in the first place. Essentially, yeah. essentially, a solution. Any there's no real way of optimizing it. At, at the only real way to solve it, as far as we can tell, is by doing brute force through everything. Now, the P versus NP yeah. problem is a question of uh, are are NP problems the same as P problems? Or is P just a subset of NP? And right now, like all signs point to NP, NP not being the same as P, but there's no proof of it. And this is one of those like million dollar problems where, where like if you find a solution, whether, whether you can prove that P equals NP or P does not equal NP, the Millennium Prize uh, system from the Clay Mathematics Institute will give you a million dollars. One million dollars for peeing. Yeah. Or NPing. Or determining that peeing and NPing are the same or not the same. <laughs> oh, Lord. So Sudoku, Sudoku, interesting, is, uh, is a NP problem. If I if I gave you a incomplete Sudoku grid, uh, determining if there is more than one legal solution uh, is an NP problem. Now, a proposed solution, if I say if I say yes, there are three different legal solutions to this Sudoku problem, you can you can determine that easily enough by verifying those solutions match the incomplete Sudoku board. But determining those different solutions in the first place is something you essentially have to brute force your way through. One million dollars. I'm in it for the money, baby. <laughs> You're in it for the money, okay. I'm in it for the math. Because, as uh, Midas would say, what's up, nerds? nerds? Or as JCD would say... What's up, nerds? <laughs> oh dear please only NP in the toilets says Servo 
Yep. Ah, <laughs> uh, boy. So we've got, let's see, Boobs Behind the Schemes is restreaming us. Cool. Yeah. It's nice to be somewhere new for once. You know Bo- what I mean? Boobs, Boobs has more than earned his executive producership for tonight. Yeah. Donated more, so much, and he's even, he's even streaming the show for us. Boobery, mm-hmm. you are an all-around right old guy. Well, we had some other uh, crap to talk about, I think. Uh, let me open up my notes here. I thought I had something else. We got some podcasts oh, yeah, some podcast. to talk about, don't we? Let's mention the uh, the podcast before I forget again. I We have too many of these. And so first, let's start off with Behind the Schemes. That's Boobery and uh, Lavish uh, every Wednesday. Uh, no, I'm sorry. They used to be Wednesday. Are they Monday? Mondays? Uh, is behind the schemes after Hog Story. That's right. They yeah, they're always. Geez, Mondays. I must have my schedule screwed up. Uh, Mondays. I thought they did at one point record after us. Maybe back uh, seventy episodes ago. Uh, behind the schemes had their season season one episode ninety six, recovering Jorno. Um, we also had Angry Tech News right after Jorno. I was saying it Jorno like the Jorno. Because that's how I want to pronounce it now. Um, Angry Tech News had number 33, Ponzi Cinema, which I don't think we mentioned. I think that came out right during the last Rare Encounter, so they d- didn't make the list. Um, Hog Story had their episode 290, Audio Waffle. And also, Bowl After Bowl had episode 159, 10 away from the big one, boys, called The Sucking Glass. And just prior to that, they had a uh, Bulls with Buds. With uh, Phoenix and Phone Boy. Yeah. Which was mighty fun to listen to on an airplane. (laughs) (laughs) Getting high while getting high, huh? Getting high. That's if they were were podcasting from an airplane. Yeah. Hey, you know the gate that I was uh, leaving for for my plane? The next adjacent one was going to Toronto. Oh, cool. It had a big Canadian flag next to it. But what was the gate number? I was like, Oh, jeez. I don't remember what it was. Um, it was in Terminal B. It was t- in Terminal B at the uh, Columbus Airport. CMH. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. I probably have my terminal number in my notes, but I don't, I don't have it in front of me. Right. Yes, indeed. And there's flying, man. Flying's been... Uh, it's normal. Airport's normal. Life's normal. If only, if only safe we to could fly have in America. that here. Apparently, we are having... Uh, such horrible problems at uh, Toronto Pearson Airport that people are being stuck on their planes after arrival for hours before they can disembark and go through everything because of the uh, because of the COVID testing that's still required and the fact that the number of Canadian Customs agents at Pearson has dropped by half. Since the pandemic started, no, they used to have they used to have over six hundred active customs officers working at Toronto Pearson Airport. Now they have less than three hundred. But just think of how safe you are with that situation. You know, they're just making you more safe. No, they're not leaving from this the same airport I was in. Come on, no. probably going a shorter distance. O- honestly, the <laughs> you know? honestly the worst part of it is is the testing restrictions because everybody like everybody coming from outside of Canada 
has to has to like have their positive test or their negative test to be checked uh and there's random spot testing of people and you got to go through all of that before you can even get to the customs gates yeah it sounds like a bunch of bull it is i'll tell you what's and, a bunch and of that's bull. why that's why the that's why the airport authority has even been which is a government agency has been saying to the federal government, drop the fucking restrictions already so we can so we can actually get people moving. Yeah. No, it's uh life is indistinguishable here as far as COVID goes. I mean it's just I think you see people like the, sometimes you see like someone wearing a mask, but you just kind of ignore it. Um Yeah, in Toronto it's essentially, that, it's it's essentially just, the same it's the same thing on the street. Like you see some people who are either like uh, still terrorized or virtue signaling wearing their mask. And generally you can tell which is which by their age and uh, whether or not they have a natural hair color. <laughs> and there are places, so, there are places that still require you to wear a mask while you're, while you're there, such as public transit. But otherwise, like most people on the street, they're walking around without a mask on you can go into pretty much almost any business. No need to wear a mask. And nobody even looks at you funny anymore for not wearing one. Right? I'll tell it's... you something that bugs me about the airports now. This is a new development. This is something that's brand new. Breaking uh, news! It, I kind of I saw this in the periphery before. And it's you kind of see it here and there. Maybe over the last year or two, it's, it showed up more and more. But it's, it's like all at once, there's this new bullshit. Which is, you sit down at a restaurant, and they give you a fucking QR code instead of a menu. Yes, it's infuriating, there, there a, I hate this shit. There was a bit of that, there was a bit of that, or install, install our app to see the menu, or, right? And, you know what? I'm not even seeing that anymore. It's now, it's now, like, back to, like, here's your menu, and... No, this is not the way airports are, now they oh, are. Airports. There's one person on staff. There's one person on staff, and they don't, when you walk up, they don't say hi. They don't say where you're flying. There's no hospitality left. They put a QR code, and if you kind of wave them down and say, hey, I'd like to order something, they kind of turn the fucking QR code on the, the little plastic tray on the table. So, oh, you got to scan that, and then they walk away. It is terrible service. You know, what, you, know what I, you know what I would I do? Don't, I, would say, I would say, well, obviously you don't want my business. Fuck your QR code. Yeah, but they're in an airport, so they've got everyone. Any yeah, other so place it, so could get away with it's, this. It's not. It's not illegal. To, it's not a free market. Uh, it's not a free market. Oh, Be man. Because if I could get up and go to the next restaurant, what am I going to do? Go to a different airport? Yeah. <laughs> just just hop on hop on the next plane leaving. Fly to the other airport. Get your food there. Fly back. You know, I did, I went to another terminal to eat once on on recommendation. Uh, I used to hang out. I've told I've told the stories about these guys before. The uh, aircraft mechanics who uh, used to be a crew of them at the Denver International Airport that I'd hang out with once in a while, and they were giving me tips on all the airports and how where where the good places were, what were the good airports, the bad airports. And they told me the best sushi in any airport, which I know is a qualifier, right? Is actually in Atlanta in the Terminal F. I think is it, it's the I think it's because everything's color-coded, right? There's a red, blue, whatever. It's the black terminal, Terminal F, and it's the international terminal at um, uh, Atlanta. 
Now, and so they said they they hired a really great sushi chef. Like they hired him, they they got him in from some other restaurant, and they just put him in charge of it. And they made this bang the the best sushi restaurant in any airport. And I, I'll sign up behind that too. Um, it was just great, and it was cheap. And consider that you're in an airport, and I just described the sushi as cheap, you know. But it was fantastic. So anyway, my flight, it wasn't an international flight. I was way on the other side of the airport, but I had to go get there early so I could take the train or whatever all the way to the other side so I could get my sushi. (laughs) (laughs) And of course, when you do that right before you go on the plane, you know, you're kind of rolling the dice, if you know what I mean. Yeah, Anori Morse says that that, uh, Atlanta airport's got the best pizza, too. Place called Verisano's. Really? Yeah. He just said that in the chat just now. So what terminal, where do you go to get Aris, uh, what is it, Verisano's? Verisano's. Which, where, uh, what terminal is that in? He didn't say in? which terminal. Ah, <sighs> oh, well, there you go. Yeah. Well, before we, <laughs> before we wrap up, I've got something I want to read out, and... Oh, can I, can I do one more? Okay, sure. I want to say the worst, the worst food in any airport. I want to nominate one here. The, uh... Burger King at LAX because I got food poisoning from there. The The first clue that I shouldn't have been eating there was it was Burger King and the second clue was it was LAX and the third clue was you know McDonald's nuggets have those certain shapes like the proprietary shapes. There's one that looks like a cowboy boot. They look like yeah. some other thing. Like We talk about these. Okay. I went to Burger King and I got like uh, it was like a four piece chicken nuggets. It was like I need something to hold me over till i get back and uh i was also out of money so i had like four dollars in my pocket and that was just enough to buy some chicken nuggets anyway so it's burger king and they served me mcdonald's chicken nuggets which was actually should have been another that was my third danger side and uh then i got food poisoning and i was out for like four days suffering so don't eat at burger king in lax the only comestible or imbibable things I have ever bought at LAX came in came in sealed bottles or wrappers. I have never Were I've never com- like I've gone to like, you know, how they have the varieties in the uh, in the airports, right? I forget the name of the it, I think it's got a name that's like or is the same as like uh, some Spanish uh, television network in the states. Or something, what? Uh, uh te- Telemundo. Um, I don't Univision know. Vision or something. I don't know. It, Univision. Yeah. Well, Univision's like a, one. There's yeah. like a variety store in there, right? And oh, right. There's they, they have a CNN damn store there too. Yeah, and next I'll, to Hudson I'll News. Get a, I'll get a bo- bottle of Coke and some chocolate bars, right? Uh-huh. And that way, that way, I know that I won't get sick from. Uh, from the crap being served because it was not made there. It came there already wrapped and packaged and properly sealed. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, pretty much any other airport I've been to, I have not been afraid to eat what's available in their food courts. Yes. But yes, I LAX will not, is I a shithole. <laughs> I will. Yeah. I will not touch the food available at LAX. I will I will buy chocolate bars and bottled drinks. Yes. I'm just if this was, you know, if we had custom short for every show, that would be what's on ours. Cold ass with chocolate bars and bottled drinks cuz you brought them up twice. 
that that or that or you and Burger King McNuggets. <laughs> Burger King McNuggets. And they were soggy too. That was oh. Baby Side Four. Man, I'm I'm missing all of them. Like I was extra dumb that day. How the fuck could you I, eat soggy nuggets? Well, I didn't know they were soggy until after I took a bite or two. You I can said, usually this, tell by the look of them like if they're that. soggy or not. I don't know. It was, it was bad. And so I found out on the plane, I remember this, I'm looking out the window, and I like, I opened my left eye, and I said, wow, everything has a tint of blue. And then I closed it, and I opened my right eye, and I said, wow, everything is tinted red. It's like I was wearing 3D glasses. Wow, that's true. But I wasn't. Yeah, it was that, really that's bad. That's the effect you know, of I those nugs, huh? those, those trippy nugs, man. Tripping on nugs. God damn. <laughs> eh, show title? <laughs> Possibly, or three things. Possible, three things, yeah. That might be a more three things thing. Oh, God. Well, okay, I interrupted you. We were going to move on to yeah, uh, I was, something I was going to read something, up, right? and I was going to... I wanted to. I would want to hear your answer. The problem okay, is this: I'll... electroencephalograms taken of men and women during sexual intercourse show that orgasm resembles a kind of pleasurable epileptic attack. One loses control over one's muscles. Superman has been known to leave his fingerprints in steel and in hardened concrete accidentally. What would he do to the woman in his arms during what amounts to an epileptic fit? Oh, this has been answered. This has been answered by a very famous piece of writing. It was called Man of Steel, Woman of Kleenex. In fact, that is a quote from <laughs> that I, very from that very <laughs> piece of writing. <laughs> did I get it right there? Yep. <laughs> oh God! Wow. Hmm. I guess we're on the same page with this. Yeah. How? How? Yeah. Did you hear? Did you hear about? Uh, did you hear about the? Uh, time that he got a blowjob it looked like somebody uh, ate a shotgun shell afterwards <laughs> oh god it was like uh it was like the end of nirvana <laughs> oh god a little too real maybe okay i apologize Here, for yes, that one. let me read let me read the next two paragraphs <laughs> after that Consider the driving urge between a man and a woman, the mon monomaniacal urge to achieve greater and greater penetration. Remember also that we are dealing with Kryptonian muscles. Superman would literally crush LL's body in his arms while simultaneously ripping her open from crotch to sternum, gutting her like a trout. <laughs> and by LL, we mean Lois Lane, not LL Cool J, just so we're clear. And of course, we're gonna keep the, people the in the groove. The first paragraph of the next section is, lastly, he'd blow off the top of her head. Yes. Yes, because, I mean, I mean, a man who's faster than a speeding bullet, uh, when, I mean, Wait a minute. Comes gonna is going to be just as fast. Hey, baby, I'm fast. <laughs> how, I don't know, how fast are you? Jeez. Fa fast, fast enough to... Fast enough for cream pie to be like a shotgun shell through the pussy. Uh-oh. <laughs> this is getting uh, way too terrible ball, now. I'm, I'm going in terrible steel, direction. Baby. Balls of this steel. This is like balls of steel. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here to kick ass and chew bubble gum, and I'm all out of gum. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, hey, did you ever? I just need to ask. You've you've seen They Live, right? I've seen bits and pieces. I've not seen the whole movie start. To ah, that's what that quote was from. That is Duke Nukem's quoting They Live. Oh, cool. He walks into a bank. He cocks a shotgun. I'm here to kick gas and chew bubble gum, and I'm all out of gum. This is a slide for the movie. <laughs> oh, there's another. There's That's another interesting. Got- there's another interesting thing. If imagine, uh, imagine what happens after, like after, after Superman after ejaculates. Superman, what <laughs> after Superman jerks <laughs> off, right? And and he his sperm is uh, flying all about. Imagine- so Lois is on vacation. Yeah. <laughs> she she's out somewhere else. Imagine she's imagine, visiting Gotham yeah. for a story. Yeah. Imagine <laughs> imagine the night sky in Metropolis. You're standing out there at night looking into the sky, listening to the little sonic booms of Superman's sperm hitting the speed of sound. And not only that, but watching little blue lines go through the sky. Chernkov radiation coming off of his cum. <laughs> yes, that would be the case when the particle is uh, moving faster. Not faster than the speed of light, but faster than the phase velocity of light in that particular medium. Indeed. <laughs> to be technical. And then guess what? Yes. Guess what also happens? Metropolis has a baby boom because those sperm flying through the sky are going to find eggs one way or another. Jeez. And Onomore says... When was this written? I'd imagine all of his sperm could fertilize an egg rather fast. Uh, yes, uh, worse than that. Um, all of that, all those sperm, one gets into the egg, and the egg... And what happens then is the cell wall thickens. Now, a whole bunch more of super sperm show up at that egg. You think that cell, that thickened cell wall is going to stop them? No. The egg gets gang-raped out of existence. Oh, Lord. Yeah. This doesn't sound very nice. No, it doesn't. Uh, if Superman was to, get someone, was to get someone intentionally pregnant, essentially he would have to jerk off in space, <laughs> use his super speed to collect all the sperm in essentially a test tube made of kryptonite and use his, uh, <laughs> use his supervision powers and a pair of very tiny tweezers to pluck out an individual sperm for, uh, for fertilizing the egg. What are we talking about? What the, f- how do we get on this? <laughs> Because Superman, because that Sorry, is I what's gotta... here in Man of Steel, Woman of Kleenex. Hold on, I've got to find a sock made of kryptonite. God, what what is going on here? <laughs> oh Lord! Yeah, it's. Oh, is this Larry Niven? Is this it by is Larry, Larry Niven? Niven? Yep. Ah, fuck, I should have known that. Yeah, I know, Larry. I, I've read some of his stuff. He's a good writer. <laughs> he is a damn good writer. And, I'm, uh, this is suspect, though. Uh, this this is uh, lowering my opinion. of. Him. I've not read this all the way through. I was aware the, that this existed, but I didn't. Uh, I'm I pretty, I'm pretty damn sure that he wrote this entire thing tongue in cheek. This, <laughs> this was written as like a joke. It has to have been. You know, he wrote, I think it was a moat in God's eye. 
Uh, yes, he wrote that Pernell? with Jerry Purnell. And, uh, I think and the sequel to it as well, I believe, was him Very, and uh, There was a sequel. I have it. The Gripping Hand. Yeah. Yeah, I have it too. I'm trying to remember what it was called. The Gripping Hand. Yeah, because the aliens uh, had their hand. The yeah. asymmetric aliens. Yes. Well, because... Very interesting. They are asymmetric because other than like the watchmaker modis, uh, through... I guess, self-directed evolution, the arms on their left side uh, merged into one stronger arm. I believe it's the one on the left yes. side. God makes it easier to jerk it, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> then they, I'm just trying, it's been so long. All I can remember of that book now is Crazy Eddie. Yeah. <laughs> the Crazy Eddies, man. The Harrowt series oh, well. that, uh, that Niven and Pornell wrote were good books, too. Legacy of the Harrowed, Beowulf's Children, Destiny's Road. I think he wrote a book called A Gift from Earth. Is that Larry Niven? I'm looking. Yes. That, uh, yeah, That's it was Larry one Niven. Of his known space books. That is a great little novella, by the way. And it's, uh, it's very scenic. I don't know if that's a good way to describe a book with just words in it, but the uh, the setting is very interesting. The uh, the interactions between people are interesting and uh, kind of novel. Like you can tell, it's from. It feels like the seventy. I don't know when's this from eighty sixty. Yeah, I mean, it feels like it's from that era. Um, especially if you like that era of sci-fi, I would recommend yeah. reading this. Also, now, you know a gift else, from Earth. You know what else he wrote? He wrote an episode uh, of Star Trek: The Animated Series. Well, I've never seen that. That's uh, it's not on my watch list. I have it. The, of course. Okay. What do you uh, what do you write about? Was it any was it as good as the city at the edge of forever? I don't think anything beats the city at the edge of forever, except maybe <laughs> written by Harlan Ellison. Except maybe for the trouble with Tribbles as a, uh, <laughs> a funny joke episode. Yeah, that's a good one. Yep. Meanwhile, the guy who wrote that, uh He's also he also co-wrote a couple of novels with Niven, and he wrote another he wrote another book that uh, that I have that was uh, that was pretty enjoyable to read called Yesterday's Children, which which was re essentially rewritten and republished as another book called Star Hunt, uh, ha a decade later. And this was part of his Star Wolf series. Star Hunt. Star Hunt, man. I, I'm trying to put a setting to that. I feel like I've heard of it, but I don't... I'm, I'm ignorant of this, uh, this fella. I, I only know about this because I looked him up after, after reading Yesterday's Children, or really the introduction to Yesterday's Children and the mention of him... And his experience writing The Trouble with Tribbles. Hmm. Oh, cool. And, of course, that was the classic, uh, one of everyone's favorite Star Trek uh, episodes. So. Yes. It was, e <laughs> it was even enjoyable when it was revisited by, uh, by DS9. Yes. I, now I remember less of that one, but I do remember. I was, I, for you know, a minute you know there, I, I was trying to come up with. About, you know what I remember <clears throat> most about, uh, about that episode? Uh, where they went back in time and got involved in the trouble with Tribbles? Dax? The bar in the, fight? Dax in the TOS miniskirt. 
<laughs> oh, geez. I... <sighs> My main experience with watching Deep Space Nine was not understanding it was different than, than uh, The Next Generation. And... Well, because, you know, it's unless you bought a TV guide, you didn't always know the name of the show that was on TV. And so you'd flip through it and you'd see it sometimes and be like, where's Picard? Where's Data? That's my experience with Deep Space Nine. <laughs> it was a disappointment. Nowadays, you know, people don't realize that like knowing the name of the show that's on TV, that's a special privilege. That's something that's new. If you missed the opening credits and you didn't stick around for the ending ones, maybe you, you wouldn't have noticed. I just found it's a. It's like I just found a screen cap from you, Trials and Tribulations where it looks like uh, Kirk is checking Dax out. God, is that going to be in the show notes? I was going to use it for the uh, yeah, for no, the post show uh, toot, but maybe we could stick it in the show notes as well. All right, what do we got to do to? Uh, how do you how do we usually end these podcasts, Colt? Uh one of us how gets do you sick of the other and starts the uh starts the ending theme. You, usually what I do is I hit the ending button, but I ain't got that button no more, so I'm just stuck. The show will go on forever. No, <laughs> it won't. <laughs> Not for lack of oh, trying. Oh god. Do Do we uh I guess we're pushing boostograms to next episode. Yep. Yep. Oh, well, it's been a hellish experience, but it's been fun just because I've got all you along with me. Till next time, I'm Mabel Kirby. I'm Cold Acid. Stay fruity, boys. Adios.